Hello and welcome to another episode of Bitter and Jaded. I'm your host, Joshua Scott, and today I have with me a chiropractor that will have you all cracking up, my buddy Brandon. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, what's up, Josh? I'm good. <laughs> You're good? Good, man. Good. So tell people a little bit about yourself. Um, <clears throat> well, you said it. I'm a chiropractor. Yeah. Um, no, I'm a chiropractor. I, oh, I game. Um, I love, love video games. have since uh, I've been in high school i'd say um uh, I, I think you also know we uh i do some of the tabletop gaming like the D type stuff mm-hmm. um, like to do that when i can find a group but uh interested in video games movies cooking um i don't know why but ever since i was in high school um well no shoot my dad back when i was a kid he uh he was always in the kitchen cooking stuff. My mom liked to cook, but my dad uh, was, I don't know if he was particular. He just wanted a certain way, but he was out there doing that too. So, of course, if dad was in the kitchen, I'd be in the kitchen. I was <laughs> always out there saying, well, what are you doing? Can I help? And then that interest, you know, took me to high school where my first uh, part-time job, I started, I became a uh, cook at a Mexican restaurant. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Then I, then I was a cook at an Applebee's. And after that, I was a cook in an Italian restaurant. And uh, just from there, you know, Loved it. Never wanted to be a, you know, well, no. I mean, I mowed lawns and did all the, the typical stuff you do when you're a kid for money. But uh, the stuff that I loved doing the most was just being a cook. Didn't want to be a server. Just want to be in the back of the house preparing the food. Yeah. Well, then how yeah. did you end up becoming a chiropractor if you wanted to be the nef- next Gordon Ramsay? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> and I have, I've always had lots of interests. And I'm the first one to admit that I'm pretty fickle. Like, uh, I'm, my interests change so quickly. And cooking, you know, and video games. I mean, everybody would love to play video games for a living if you could. If you mm. could find a, a job that did that, you know. But And cooking, you know, that'd be great, you know, if I could be like a, a cook or chef or something like that. But I just, I didn't have, uh, I, it's very competitive in, in uh, uh, cooking also with computers. You know, anything that has to do with computers was starting to be really, really competitive. And I just, I don't know, I, the... The profession, I, I grew up going to a chiropractor as well, and uh, I thought that, you know, that'd be a good profession to go into. You could be your own boss, you know, if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you're you professional, you work in air conditioning, <laughs> you know, and although I loved, you know, cooking, you know, I loved uh, all sorts of other things, just uh, computers in general. I just kind of wanted to keep, those would be good hobbies, I guess you could say. You got to keep your hobbies, your hobbies, just because if you have to do something as a, as a, as a profession, you know, now you're obligated to do it and it stops being quite as fun. So I, I don't know. I thought about it for a little bit, but that I just kind of still kept on the chiropractic course and followed that. And, uh, yeah, I got you, man. uh, I completely understand you about that hobbies though. You know, like if I, if I had to do something for a living that I love, like I like to paint a lot of miniatures and stuff like that. But if I had to do that, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, I would not be able to deal. So you think that being that you like cook on the side, you think you still get like, you get more enjoyment out of it doing it on the side than you would if it was like your full time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, I'd probably be better at it than I am now. I mean, I'd have more skill, but it's like when you're like, for instance, here, like when I'm at work, I get a spare moment or on my lunch break, you know, um, <clears throat> if I'm not playing a video game that I'm just, uh, you know, thinking about in my back of your head, I think anybody who plays video games at one point is, you know, had a day where they're just so into this game. And then in the back of their head, whenever they're not thinking about what they're doing at work, you know, they're thinking about that game and be like, well, I have to look that up on YouTube. I got to figure out how to do that. It's the same thing for me, like with cooking. Um, like, uh, I've, lately I've, I've bought a smoker and, uh, I've been really, really, I mean, I've been 
smoking ribs like my dad's smoker when I back when I lived with them and mm-hmm. uh, I bought my own little you know like electric smoker but I actually bought a serious smoker um probably about uh I don't know two or three months ago and I've really tried to start like figuring out brisket because brisket's one of those hard ones to do yeah um so what was the question before I was I was leading somewhere with that <laughs> <laughs> do you enjoy doing it more on the side uh you know because well, like yeah. you said you, you you know it's not your so, main job so you think oh, about it while you're at work I remember. Yeah. So when, when I'm at work and, uh, I'm starting to get it, well, this, this opens it up another, I'm, I'm usually always hungry at work cause I, I don't eat nearly enough as I should, you know, throughout the day. That's part of my, my diet program. But, uh, when I'm at work, I'm getting hungry and I think, well, what am I going to, you know, what am I going to throw in the, the smoker here this weekend? So I'll start looking on YouTube, watching YouTube videos here and I'll be like, Oh, okay. So we use that. He did that. But, uh, but no, yeah. So it, it's, I don't think if I had to do it as my job, I would be that, uh, it, it wouldn't be as, uh, enjoyable. You know what I I'm saying? You. Like I, I wouldn't spend that much time researching it and, uh, and just kind of, you know, obsessing about it because it's fun. It's fun to research, it's fun to refine your skill, you know, and your method. And, and uh, in, to me, it's, it's like an art, like it's, it's something that, uh, uh, well, like if you're a painter, you're trying to paint something that pleases the senses and with food, I think it's kind of exactly the same thing. You're trying to do something that is pleasing and uh, the better you are at it, the better gets so i gotcha yeah absolutely man absolutely so like how long have you been cooking since you were a little kid watching your dad pretty much yeah <laughs> that's cool man so like everything Started you learned is it french from toast french toast oh man <laughs> i love french toast. <laughs> oh, i remember too because i was really proud yeah good you like, should you had be to, you had to use a pan and everything like how old were you, were you making <laughs> french toast man oh gosh it was grade school it's probably like Second or third grade. Yeah, damn right you're proud, man. That's awesome. My parents wouldn't let me anywhere <laughs> yeah. near the kitchen at that age, man. I'm a problem, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, like, how did you get to, like, where you are now? Do you, like, um, are you self-taught? Did you ever take any, like, cooking courses or like, when you were in school or, or any after? Or is it just, like, YouTube? Um, let me think about that. The... It's pretty much, I mean, besides what I got in school, it's pretty much self-taught. Um, there were no courses. I was, for, something came to mind. I was like, well, wait a second. Yeah, I did. But no, that was. I took like a weekend, uh, you know, wine course just to kind of give me a little bit more information about wine, but that wasn't cooking. Mm-hmm. But no, I think I, there are some like classes you can take here in Savannah that I thought about taking and I had, uh, for some reason, that came to my mind too, but I don't think so. Yeah. It's just uh, all YouTube and just cooking with my friends. I go over my another couple of my friends here have smokers, and I'll go over to their place and see how they do it. But mm-hmm. it's uh, everybody does some things. And I grew up in uh, Illinois, so when I moved down south here, that's so many other things that I had to learn how to cook. I had no idea what low country boy was. <laughs> everybody down here cooks macaroni at Thanksgiving. We yes, don't do sir. that up north. <laughs> I don't know how people do it because. <laughs> You have to have exactly the right, right amount of moisture there because otherwise you'll get a gooey mess. Or on the other hand, if it's too dry, you just created uh, macaroni brownies. <laughs> it's just, it just a solid, you know, mat that you can cut out little squares. Yeah. Well, you're not unselling yeah. me on a macaroni brownie. So, uh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so what would you when say your cold. cooking uh, style is? Is it like because you keep mentioning the smoker? Is it mainly are you like a grill master or? Um. Everything, anything and everything. Really, my favorite thing to do is, like, I'll, I'll eat out at a restaurant. I'll be like, wow, how the hell do they do that? That tastes great. And I'll 
that's that'll start me. I'll get on YouTube. I'll look up copycat recipes. So figure out. I spent just. It's tough for me to answer that question because it it it, it legitimately is everything. I spent a couple months trying to figure out how to make sriracha from scratch. Oh um, wow! You know, and it it took me a long time to actually figure out that it's not fermented. Everybody thinks sriracha is fermented, and I I even did it the fermented way. I took uh, jalapeno peppers and red bell peppers and pureed them, added the uh, ingredients, you know, and let it ferment on my countertop in a in a glass jar covered. And uh, after about a week or two, after the fermentation stopped, you boil it, and uh, it it's it's freaking sriracha. It's, it tastes and smells exactly like it. And you can make it less hot if that's that's the problem everybody has with sriracha. It's uh, it's too hot. You can make it out of half bell red bell peppers and mm. half jalapeno peppers, and it uh, it's half as hot basically. So it's it's great, but the stuff that they have at uh, gosh, the stuff that they sell in the store believe it or not, it's not fermented. It's uh, pickled. They soak everything in, in vinegar and they put it in huge barrels and let it sit in their warehouse until they actually need it. They take it, drain it of all the vinegar, put all their uh, pickled vegetables through their machine, add more spices, put it in jars and ship it out. Huh. Um, and I tried doing that, didn't taste anything like it. So, uh, yeah. But just, just as an example, I mean, I've from Kentucky Fried you know, Chicken, tried to figure out the 11 herbs and spices came about 95% close. I think, I mean, just from everything I've made my own sauerkraut. I went through a fermentation phase I was trying <laughs> to figure all that out. <laughs> so no, it's, it's not limited to everything. I made that, uh, that ratatouille thing after I saw that, you know, Pixar movie or what is it? DreamWorks oh, or something oh, really? like that. Yeah. How, how yeah was I saw making a guy that? making it just like that. I was like, I gotta make that. I gotta see what it tastes like. So, how was making ratatouille? Isn't that like a super difficult dish? I've seen that movie counted one time, and I don't even remember what it is. Nah, just a, it's just a pain in the butt to slice all the vegetables and then just layer them in there. It's uh. a think of it as you roast uh, some vegetables like you know carrots. I don't really know. It's carrots. I know carrots. Carrots, celery, onions in the. Uh, and uh, tomato sauce, and that's and then you puree it, and that's the sauce that goes on the bottom. And then it's uh, layers of tomato, eggplant, zucchini squash, and something else green. Mm. Is it good? Yeah, but yeah, I mean it's it's a vegetable dish. I mean, but with the sauce on the bottom, it it tastes good. I yeah. mean, it's not uh, you know you know the reaction that a guy got in the in the video where he's like, oh, you know, um, it, you don't you don't get that. I mean, he reacted that way because that was from his childhood. But, yeah. I mean, it's it's vegetables in like a vegetable tomato sauce. If you if you dig that, if that makes you, you know, <laughs> I've made it like twice. You know, it's not something that I have to make every weekend, but uh-huh. it's, it's it's good. But it just looks good. It's something impressive. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, as you say, is there anything that's like your like signature dish? Is there something like, yo, Brand, you got to cook this, bro? You make it so good. Is there anything? I would say lately, it's just been my my ribs yeah. um, that I make. My pork ribs, yeah. But, well, the, another subject here. For the last two years here, I've pretty much just cooked, like, low-carb stuff. I haven't really gotten heavy into too much else just because I've been trying to lose a bit of weight here for the last couple of years. But the the other thing, the thing that I've been asked most uh, to bring it, like holidays and whatnot, is I make a, it's a keto key lime pie. Uh, yeah, keto key lime pie. Mm-hmm. And... I have no idea how to make real key lime pie, but uh, they they make this recipe with lemon jello, cream cheese, and heavy whipping cream, mm. and like and, and vanilla extract, and you combine them all together in a certain way, and it uh, and it comes out kind of like a 
brothy, you know, lime flavored. Huh. Yeah, and you use use lemon jello, but you use uh, lime juice in with it too. I forgot to say that. And um, freaking amazing! I couldn't believe it. Everybody was like, "Yeah, you got to bring that again." Like, <laughs> and I tell people, it's like it's low carb. It's not. It's not low calorie. Yeah. It's got plenty of fat in there. Just you know, you're not going to get skinny doing that. But if you're doing like the keto diet, the low carb diet, it's going to work for you. Hey, all right, man. Well, now you mentioned <laughs> that you've been trying to lose some pounds, and that's not just some pounds, from what I've heard, man. You've had what yep. you told me was called a gastric sleeve. What is that? Yep. Yep. It's the gastric. Uh, uh, I don't know what the official sleeveectomy or sleeve gastrectomy is what mm-hmm. they call it. Um, it's basically where they, um, I, back about, well, two, three, four years ago and, and, and earlier, um, I, I was pretty much at my heaviest weight. I was up in the high uh, 360, 370s. And at one point I actually got up all the way above 400 pounds. And I don't really know exactly how high I got above 400 because the, all the scales that I um, have access to stop at 400. So I estimate that I got up to about 415 at my heaviest and uh, had that sleeve gastrectomy. And because I thought, yeah, what, you know, of course, I've always, I've been dieting since I was in high school. You know, I've always been overweight and I, I've always had a really a pretty good self-esteem. You know, I, I, I have a poor self-image, but, you know, I didn't really, I don't really hate myself enough to go home and just be depressed about it and just be like, oh, God, I got to lose weight. You know, I've, I've had friends, you know, and I've had girlfriends here and there and whatnot, but I just, it's never been a huge issue. But once I got up, I'm pushing, you know, almost 40 years old now, and I started to think about it. It's like, how many, how many 400 pound, you know, let's say 50, you know, 10 years from now, how many 400 pound 50 year olds? I don't know a single one. I don't remember a single one. And I, figure you know why is because they start dying out and if and i i didn't want to be as like well shoot if i stay the same weight you know what do i got 10 more years maybe you know 20 more years at the max because you know when when you're gonna have a heart attack you know you can't can't live your life like this so i finally said you know something had to be done so i started saving my pennies looking around i went out to birmingham i found this place in birmingham that would do the sleeve gastric for uh, $9,000 uh, because my insurance wouldn't cover it here. Or, well, I have, you know, Georgia insurance, Georgia uh, private you know, off the healthcare marketplace. And in Georgia, if you have group insurance through your employer, um, it actually, uh, by state law, they're forced to cover bariatric surgery. But for private insurance that you just buy yourself, they don't have to cover it and they never cover it. So I had to find some place to do it for cash. Went out to Birmingham, Alabama. The guy would do it for nine grand, whereas, you know, here, of course, it was like 25 grand um, and the surgery is where they take your stomach stomach it's normally a pouch and they just remove the pouch they, you still have a stomach but it's just more of like a tube and you don't have that uh, extra you know little baggage there it's just a, a tube where your esophagus is and then you know they, they reshape your stomach and just kind of a the same diameter tube and it just goes straight on down into your uh, into your small intestine basically the mm-hmm. uh, that now everybody gets confused. The the different uh, the most popular ones here in the past have been the lap band, and that's where they just take a little loop and tie it around your stomach just mm-hmm. to 
just and it's kind of like if you were to take your your stomach and you were to take just a, a belt like you you know, put a belt in your pants uh-huh. you tie a belt around the, the the middle of your stomach and then tighten it a little bit more just so that you can actually have now your stomach is cut in two and there's a narrow spot in the center of your stomach that's the lap band they did that just to to have the illusion of a smaller stomach you know above that belt mm-hmm. or above that band but the, that's, that's not what this is the sleeve they actually remove 75 percent of your stomach so that what's left is just kind of a sleeve instead of a pouch um, so in doing that it gives you the advantage they say that all the receptors or all the uh, areas of the stomach that produce the hunger hormone or i probably should know this you know i'm uh, <laughs> people ask me this stuff as a uh, but uh all the places in your stomach that produce ghrelin i believe it is that uh, that gives you that sensation of hunger that desire um leave you know with that part of your stomach it's more in the pouch area so for they they tell you i don't know why this is but the for you have about a year uh, six months to a year to lose the weight because after that amount of time your stomach starts to relax it starts to stretch back out and uh, things just start to return to a, a normal stomach i don't know if that happens yeah because you start to eat more and it slowly stretches or if that's just your body's natural intention i couldn't get a straight answer out of the guy i don't the surgeon i'm not sure if he knows exactly Mm -hmm. or anybody knows but but you you kind of have once you have the surgery you have uh, a timer starts and you better get your weight loss you know uh, done in that amount of time or else you know you'll be you'll start to plateau and after two years that's kind of where i'm at i lost 200 pounds here in about a year and a half and then after about a year and a half uh, it just started it wasn't I couldn't lose the weight without trying anymore. It used to be that, you know, I'd lose about you know, two, three, four pounds a week even. And I yeah. uh, didn't really even have to try. I just, uh, I tried to keep on a, the, my rules of just low carb eating, but I, I could eat whatever I wanted low carb and, and as much as I wanted. Uh-huh. Now it's starting to get to the point where you know, I could just for reference, I don't eat pizza anymore, but like if you were to just take a, an average size pizza and cut it in eight slices, I could probably eat a quarter of the pizza before i was stuffed uh-huh. whereas you know before i could probably knock out the whole thing and, oh yeah uh, i'd be i'd be stuffed with the whole thing but yeah it, definitely half yeah but oh wow, so it's, it's starting to stretch back out but uh 200 pounds 215 213 pounds now total this yeah. morning and, and i'm starting to plateau it's it's so hard it's i don't People will ask me about it at work. Uh, they say, well, shoot, you know, I've thought about getting that from time to time. It's like, if you've ever thought about doing it, don't talk about if. Um, just start planning when, because yeah. it's it's not that bad of a recovery. Well, it's, it's not bad at all. I mean, it, you, you do hurt. I mean, it's uncomfortable. And uh, eating after that, I mean, it does take about a, you know, a month before you can start to eat solid food comfortably again. But um, it's it's not that big of a deal. I, was, I had the surgery and was out the same day. And uh, they recommended, well, they do it a little different if you do the insurance route versus the uh, self-pay route. Self-pay route, they try to cut every quarter they can just to make it more affordable. Mm-hmm. So they give you your medication and they say, okay, yeah, you know, we'll get you up and start walking. If you can walk and pee and, and uh, everything checks out, then you're, you're all out the door. So they, they send you out the door the same day, but they recommend that you at least stay one night in town, you know, just in case there's any you know, complications and that you not drive, you know, someone's there driving you. But yeah. um, no, I was up walking, you know, two hours after it and uh, I was out the door and within, you know, probably 48 hours, I could you know, walk, you know, semi-fast um, with, you just 
it's sore. You know, it's like if you had a really, you know, sharp stomach ache or if you had like stomach gas type thing, you're just kind of hobbling around a little bit. You're just trying not to get the sharp pains. That's that's what it feels. It's, it's not bad. So I tell people just don't don't be afraid of it. Don't. It's not a big deal. There was people there who only had like, you know, 50, 60 pounds to lose. Even if you, you've had something that you, you can't lose and, you know, you're slowly getting worse, just just talk to somebody about it, you know, get it scheduled, get it on the book, see if your insurance just, it's, it's changed my life. I don't yeah. understand why more people don't do it. I drug my feet for so long. I wish I would have did this 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, congratulations. Cause 215 pounds is a, is a lot, man. And it sounds to me like you're happier. Like I didn't know you before. I mean, I didn't know you before this conversation, but you know, I, you sound, you can hear it in your voice that you are like stoked about life, you know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that, that's awesome. So has losing all this weight, has it allowed you to do more things? Are you getting more active? Are you doing anything a lot differently than you used to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wow, where to start? Uh, I had a list. I started making a list of all the things that uh, I'd noticed. Like, but just for what the, the things that are different, uh, I don't. You can't really stand up and and uh, stand for long periods of time when you weigh that much, just because your feet start hurting, your low back starts hurting. Um, just it's you. Your body adapts to it, but still, it's it's tough. I mean, there's your your joints don't like it, the muscles don't like it. But so now, I mean, I can get up and do things that I normally couldn't. And the doctor, they, whenever you go in for your, you know, checkups, and you have a lot of them throughout the whole process, they always hound you. It's like, well, what are you doing for exercise? So, about, I don't know, about six months after the surgery, I started doing golfing, and then golfing I figured was fine. It's you know low intensity. You just walk, um, and I was walking it. I wasn't uh, riding it or anything. Mm-hmm. And that was good for about six months. But after that, uh, my brother, uh, who's two years older than me, and uh, he very physically fit to convince me to start doing these Spartan races, which is think of, uh, they come in three different, uh, main flavors. There's the, the 5k, the 10k, which is three mile, 10 mile, or excuse me, uh, three mile, six mile. And then there's the half marathon distance they call the beast, which is uh 13 mile. Uh-huh. There is a, there is an ultra beast, which is 30 mile, but uh, I'm, I don't even think about that, but he convinced me to start doing these. And, uh, the goal is to do the trifecta. You get an extra medal. Uh, if you do all three, the, the sprint, which is the, the three mile, the, the super and the beast all in one year. And I had done the sprint and the super, the three mile and the six mile, uh, last year, but with COVID they canceled all events before I could get the beast in. So oh, I, man. It, and, what these Spartan races, it's not just running, uh, there's obstacles to it. And this is the, the part that really kicks my ass. Uh, I, I love doing the running. I, I could be just a, a, a runner all day, but um, I've, I used to have a fair amount of strength, at least in my legs and, and, and somewhat in my upper body. But when you lose that much weight, it's hard not to lose uh, some of that muscle too. And uh, a lot of these obstacles, you're you're crawling up and over top of things. You know, there's like, you know, 20 foot walls that they build. It looks like if you were to take a, make a wall out of uh, pallets, you know, uh-huh. go up and, and I, I can do that fine. But uh, when, if you can't complete an obstacle, which there's plenty that I couldn't like, you know, it's like the climb the rope in gym class, you know, there's an obstacle like that. If you, if you're curious, just do a YouTube search for, you know, Spartan race and uh, it'll, it'll say Spartan race Jacksonville. And, yeah. uh, and you'll, you can see some of the obstacles that they do. It's all think of just like a military obstacle course, uh, but and if you can't complete it, you got to do burpees. I didn't know what the hell burpee was. Burpee <laughs> is where you you jump up, you know, and then uh, you splash down like to your chest, you know, do a push up and then come pop back up and then do a small jump and then go back down to your chest. You got to do 
Well, you're supposed to do like 30 of them or something like that. If, uh, if you're running the, uh, the professional series, but if you're just doing it for fun, they say, well, try to get 15 in, but okay. you got to do those. So I was doing, I was completing about half the obstacles doing, you know, half of them, I was doing burpees and your muscles are, and your legs are killing you and your, your, your pecs and your, your biceps and your tries are just shaking, you know, every time. So when you get to these obstacles and you're already just exhausted, your, your muscles are spasming, you're, you're going up, you look down, you're 20 feet in the air and you're like, I can barely hang on to this thing. So you, <laughs> you're, you're kind of, uh, it, it kind of freaks you out because uh, it pushes you to limits you didn't know, you know, it, uh, it pushes you to limits that you hadn't ever been to. And I, thank God my brother's there because he helped me on half of them. I probably would have fell off and broke my, you know, whatever uh, on, on half of those damn obstacles. But <laughs> it, I never would have thought that uh, I could have, I've been heavy my whole life and, and doing stuff like this. It really, it kind of raises your confidence, you know, it, because your mind says, no way you can do this. But then you try, and it's like, wow, it's easier than I thought it would be. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's scary, but uh, it's also like liberating when you can actually get out and, and do it and, and succeed. So but it still freaks me out. Awesome to hear, man. That is awesome to hear. I'm so glad that you're doing so much more. I mean, Lord, that sounds terrible. Just doing one burpee sounds like it would end my whole career. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's not after no, I ran all this stuff. <laughs> One of the things that uh, I was going to see, maybe the thing, but uh, the thing that really pushed me is I started watching YouTube videos on people doing uh, flying a paramotor. Um, there's a guy named Tucker Gott on YouTube who has a channel that uh, he had a video that uh, kind of blew up and went viral. It's him flying his paramotor to McDonald's. And a paramotor looks like a, a parachute that's above you, but you have a big fan on your back, which pushes you forward. And <laughs> these, this parachute above you isn't a regular parachute. It's actually kind of a, it, it's, it's fabric, you know, but it's designed in a way. It's like a big half uh, banana looking thing. It's narrower front to back. Um, so it's designed to, to fly forward through the air mm-hmm. and uh, be, be pushed. And so these the paraglider that you have above you. Um, just it provides the lift and of course you know you pushes you forward through the air with the, the big fan on your back and i was like that's so cool and he would get all these youtube videos of this first person you know with a he had like a gopro on his helmet <laughs> and he was you know weaving in and out of hay bales and stuff and they go up in the air and they like spiral down i was like jesus man that's and it's you're just basically sitting in a lawn chair you know uh, with the little toggles and just controlling this i was like that's that's got to be crazy that you can just uh it's a magic carpet ride i mean you can do whatever you want and you're flying and there's no cockpit it's just you know you and the wind that's that's going to be one of my life goals i'm going to do that one day so that was that was the biggest thing i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna fly a paramotor here one day i'm gonna get the lessons i'm gonna learn and i did start taking the lessons um at 250 pounds so once i got down to 250 there's a place here that uh, they actually were going out of business and moving to florida to do it Right as I had uh, hit 250 pounds, so I got in like uh, a week worth of lessons, uh-huh. and and then they moved on down. But um, even though their requirement for 250 pounds was the the limit, I wasn't physically fit enough uh, to do it mm. because uh, my butt wouldn't fit quite. Uh, I'm kind of shaped like a pear a little bit. Like I gained, I don't have the just the huge pot belly and uh, nothing else in the short button or the small butt and the short legs, you know, or skinny legs. It just I have I have it everywhere. So you kind of have to have the right shape for the, uh, the thing, or else like when you try to hop up into the seat, uh, the the seat will kind of catch you on the sides of the thighs and it won't uh, come forward enough. You won't get a recline back into the seat far enough. It'll, it, it won't be comfortable. You'll just be hanging from the leg straps and it's just like just like a parachute, how it's like tight in your crotch, you know, uh, I yeah. don't know how those guys can do that for, you know, 
you don't want to do that in a paramotor, you can sit back in a seat. But if you can't get back into the seat because your butt's too wide, then it's just not comfortable. So at that time, I did all the training. I did all the book work. Um, I, I flew two flights just by, with a tow line where they tow you up in the air and you just hang from leg straps. But once it came time to actually putting the motor on your back and doing it, I just I wasn't comfortable. I couldn't get back in the seat. So I said, no, no, I'll just wait. You know, I'll do the, I'll lose a little bit more weight. I'll do the training another time. I just, I don't want to, I don't want my first experience, you know, with the paramotor to be a subpar one. I've lost all this weight and, uh, and I, I want it to be awesome. I don't want it to be okay. And I don't want to be scared, you know, because it's, it's freaky enough as it is, because I mean, you look down and there's nothing and there's two little pieces of fabric with two buckles that's holding your entire weight of you just slipping out of this harness and, you know, falling, you know, three, 400 feet to the ground. So <laughs> it's, um, it, I would rather be sitting in the seat, having the seat hold me rather than these two little buckles. And thank, I, you know, I wrap my head around it. Thank God there's two, you know, but it doesn't because if one fails, at least you have the other one, but, uh, but still, it doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence knowing that that's, that's what's holding you, especially when your whole life, you know, you've eased down into like a folding chair because you're afraid you're going to break it. Mm. Um, like I, I just, it was hard for me to trust the, uh, the, the equipment because in my mind, you know, I still was a, a heavyweight guy. I was like, this is, this is flimsy stuff. How the hell could it hold my weight? Cause you, you see, you see a different person in the mirror, but you don't feel any different, you know, like when you're just looking looking out from your eyes you think you're the same person but you're not yeah so, yeah anyway, but anyway so that was my biggest motivator for a long time is flying the paramount and it still is but i haven't yet quite done it i'm probably where i need to be but my ultimate goal is, uh, is 180 pounds so i figured i'd wait until i got there before i pulled the trigger and actually went for the lessons again i got you man so, well, that sounds rad i've never even heard of that yeah. that that sounds rad man <laughs> <laughs> you know but i definitely feel you on wanting to be safe because you know with an engine on your back and in a folding chair it sounds like a death sentence man so i would make sure i was at peak yeah. condition yeah. <laughs> absolutely Jeez, man, that that's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Like, you know, sometimes with these things, uh, a lot of people will have this surgery and then they will lose all this weight and then they'll kind of give up. But it doesn't sound like you're ready to give up, man. It sounds like you're ready to get out there and and kick the day's ass every day. And that that's awesome. <laughs> I, I try, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you're not a chef, you're not a, a a paraglider pilot. You end up being a chiropractor. How did you? Fall into that. You said that you 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 sounded it was like a nice career. Do you enjoy it? Is it something that you like, like saw yourself doing as like a as like a kid, or you just was like, you know what, I kind of like helping people. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> when I was a, ever since I was a little kid, I mean, we've always gone to a chiropractor. Um, not for, um, not just because uh, you know I I had had a bad back. I never really had a bad back, or anybody did, but. Um, I, I think the best way to explain is my dad, when he was growing up, his family uh, never went to the medical doctor. They didn't trust the medical doctor for some reason. I, I don't know if it was, my grandpa was a Jehovah's Witness or, or what exactly it was, but uh, you, you went to the medical doctor to die, you know, but if you wanted to, you know, stay healthy, they went to their chiropractor. And I always thought that was a little bit crazy, but uh, um, I was like, okay. But uh, what I knew of the chiropractor growing up was uh, he was the guy who cracked her back. Mm-hmm. And uh, he always had funny jokes to tell, and uh, he was a nice guy. He he was his own boss. Um, the school that he went to, you know, wasn't very far away. Um, made a good living, and just uh, seemed like a, a 
good thing to do. And I remember what what made me started thinking about it was uh, my dad. Uh, we were like driving home from. We went out to dinner or something like that. And my I was in the back seat. And my brother was beside me, and my mom and dad were in the front seat. And dad said, "If I had to do it all over again, I would." chiropractor and, and he listed off a few reasons why so i was like well maybe that'd be a good job to do so i kind of you know, thought about it for a little bit i was like yeah i can do that and and my dad would tell me more information about it and this and that what school to go to and, and so that's it just started to be my tentative plan you know it's like uh, what are you going to do when you grow up i always had to have a plan too i wasn't one of those kids you know you ask you know what are you going to do when you go well uh-huh. i always had something i was like well i'm going to you know, I was going to be a cartoonist, and then for a brief time when I was really young, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a parachuter." That's what <laughs> I, I called it. I saw people diving out of airplanes and parachutes. I wanted to do that. And you know, so we, it it changes, you know. But the chiropractic thing that happened probably when I was middle school, mm-hmm. maybe early high school, and I kind of stuck with it. I took a vocational course called Health Occupations my senior year in high school, which um, I didn't know really what what it was. I just thought, well, maybe it'll help me like prepare for college. And it was CNA training. A CNA is a, I think it goes by a different name now, but it was certified nurse's assistant. And mm-hmm. basically it's the the grunt of the uh, of the nursing world, the person who wipes the butts, who feeds the patients, who changes the beds, who gives the showers. It yes. is not good work. And imagine yourself as a, a 17 or 18 year old, you know, you just, you know, you're, you're looking forward to prom, you know, and you go to, you, you wake up, you know, you get on a bus, you go to another school. You know, because this was the vocational center, you know, it was like a, a, a multiple schools went to this place. And I was like, well, I'm just doing it because I want to get out of the first four periods of, you know, school. <laughs> and they say, okay, you know, we're going to get you these scrubs. We're going to go to the local nursing home and we're going to teach you how to give old people showers oh. and, and you can wipe their butts and you can change the beds. And they're like, this is not happening. It's You grow... You age, uh, you grow years, you know, of maturity in, in that short amount of time when you start uh, wrapping your head around all that stuff. But you do. And the funny thing is, I, I like to joke about it, but um, these, these, some of these people, you know, are, you know, their mind is gone, you know, but some of them are very lucid. They just can't take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, but regardless of, you know, uh, how, how, how they are, they, all of them appreciate it. You know, and in different ways they show it. You know, whether they smile at you or they, you know, shake your hand or just, you know, uh, it, it, it gives you a good feeling. So even though it was just, uh, you know, horrible, horrible work for a young person to do, um, and it, it, I knew that uh, that that was something that I wanted to do. I knew that uh, I was like, I could do this for a living. This <laughs> is, I mean, I, I don't want to do this, you know, work CNA work. Yeah. But, uh, I definitely could work with people. You know. Helping them to feel better. Yeah. Um, so it was. It was after that. You know, during that course, uh, doing that, uh, I, I knew that uh, I wasn't good. Wasn't going to absolutely hate chiropractic. Chiropractic is something I could do for the rest of my life, and I could. I could be happy with it. So, uh-huh. um, so yeah, that kind of uh, cemented that idea in place. You know, uh, that's when I knew that that's what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> but then I just went to Palmer Chiropractic College in Davenport, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Did that for three and a half, four years, and. And then got out and did an associate ship. And I grew up in Illinois, so the, uh, Davenport, Iowa, was the closest uh, chiropractic school. Incidentally, that's actually where chiropractic school, or that's where chiropractic was uh, founded. The oh, inventor wow. of chiropractic was there in Davenport, Iowa. Yeah. Uh, so lots of history. It's it's a really really old school. Um, uh, uh, it's like I don't know what it was before. It was a college. It was a a Catholic dormitory or something like that. 
huge uh, buildings, but uh, they've they kept a lot of the original, like you know, woodwork and doorways and stuff like that. So when you're climbing the stairs, you know, it kind of has that wooden squeakiness. I mean, they're not made out of wood, but when you step on them, you can hear like the, mm, 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 you know, just the. And yeah, so it's it's an old building. It's just from like the early 1900s, you know, type thing. So, awesome. but uh, in the basement, they have all like all the the study materials that the the Palmers um, had, like the different spines that they had studied, the X-ray machine. The um, the man was a genius, and, and it really, really was. Uh, it it wasn't. I mean, he he invented the profession, but he took it to a, a level that you would consider, you know, beyond what most medical doctors today, you know, uh, the, the, the amount of analysis that he put into everything mm-hmm. um, is, is far beyond what uh, most people would consider a chiropractor would need to, um, the, to master. Um, it's, it's, it, I would say, well, shoot, you know, do neurologists study this hard? And, you know, and <laughs> it, they, they really, they really take it that far and, you may not use everything, but they, at the very least, they want you to be, um, you know, exposed to it all. Ah, oh, I got you. I but, got uh, you. But yeah, no, I did it. Got out, associate chip in Bloomington, Illinois, and did that for a couple of years. Then I started my own. Um, did that for about three years in uh, Rockford, Illinois, and having your own having your own practice is overrated. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing if. Uh, if the economy is good and the people around you and you can get new patients in and, but uh, it's, I don't know that it's in my temperament to, to be a, a small business owner because you really, really do have to be very self-motivating. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, I mean, own your own business. Everybody thinks that they can just, uh, you know, put out uh, a yellow jad, you know, and uh, hang out their shingle and just the people will come. Well, they don't come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't come. It's, uh, you have to fight you know, tooth and nail for every uh, patient, every sale, you know, like, uh, well, for, for me, it's a patient, but you know, for anybody else, it's, you know, you, you have to, you really do have to work and you didn't go to school to be in, you know, advertiser and a, and a networker, yeah, uh, you yeah. to school to be a, a doctor, you know, but you have to, you have to do both now. And you it's kind of like a, you're trial by fire. It's like, you're going to do this or you're going to fail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, well, I'm, uh, I'm not a, a, a super awesome chiropractor, but you know, here lately I've been doing this show and it's been the exact same way, man. You know, I thought like, yeah, I got friends. We could do this, man. And now I'm like, okay, I really need to be putting myself out there more to bring them in because like, it's easy to talk about yourself, but I got to get these people to come talk to me. I got to get you to come over and talk to me. You know, same with right. you. You got to get them to come like they, their back might be in pain. You got to let them know. I got you. I can fix this, you know, yep. <laughs> you know? And so like, it, it's Absolutely. hard. It's, it's a hustle, man. And it's a never ending. I'm constantly now, ever since I started, I feel like I'm just shaking people down. I went to a party and, uh, the whole time I was just like, Hey, 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 Hey. And that's normally not me. Normally I'm in the corner talking to like my three friends. And this time I was like, I'm going to have to talk to all of you people and find out which one of you guys <laughs> are cool or not, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult. So you mentioned the, uh, I forgot what you called it, but the, uh, uh, after you had went to college, you had to do like a program. Is that anything like a, like apprenticeship with like a tattooing? Cause like, I know a lot of tattooers, yeah. so that's kind of like where my knowledge will come from. Um, yeah. And I think in the medical field, they call it an internship. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the interesting thing about uh, chiropractic school is that, uh, you, you have to do a certain amount of the, you have classes. Uh, it's, it's a 10 trimester thing. I'll just break it all down here for you real quick. Sure. The whole the whole course is uh, 300 credit hours. Um, the 
a regular like a bachelor's degree is about 120 credit hours. Full time is about 15 credits a semester. You take two semesters, that's 30. Do that over four years, it's about 120. Um, full time at chiropractic school because the the curriculum is set. I mean, they can engineer it. They can put all the classes back to back. It's a they can fit 30 credits um, into a semester, and that's like that's like high school. You're going to school from you know 7:30 or 8 o'clock all the way up till about four or five o'clock, and that's your day. And you don't you just might have about an hour for lunch, but that's it. You just have class after class after class, and you do that five days a week. And so that's how you get uh, 30 credits in the semester. But uh-huh. then, why don't we take the summer break and just you know get that the hell out of there and just <laughs> add another semester in there and just go to school all year round? I mean, like, why not? So they uh, <laughs> they kind of shrank them. You can do whatever you want. No, you can. Uh, so they shrank them down. It's, it's a trimester system now, but they still kept you know all the credits. So you're, you're just kind of you do ten trimesters, you know. But it takes about three and a third years. Now that's if you go the absolute fastest. But uh, a lot of people choose to slow that down a little bit just because by the third trimester, even me, I went to school as early as possible. When I got in there, I was 20 years old. I just turned, yeah, just turned 20. But um, well, I got to tell you that to tell you that I got to tell you this. Uh, they back when I went, the, requ- the requirements to get in there um, was 60 credit hours of a certain amount of classes. You had to have like you know, I mean, physiology, organic chemistry, regular cre- uh, chemistry. But overall, you had to have at least you know 60 credits uh, before you could get in. So that's about two years of uh, undergrad work before you can get into chiropractic college. I got in right. Right before they raised the requirements to a, a minimum of 90, so I got in there after two years of college, and uh, and they just raised it uh, like in July of 2001, right after I got there. But um, what was I? So I mean, <clears throat> I was oh man, I told you I hate when I do that because I, I it's like okay, I got to tell them this before I tell them this. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a 300 credit hour, you know, uh, three and a third to, to four year program. I took I failed. Uh, was it two classes uh, my third trimester right as I turned 21 uh, just because I was partying too much and <laughs> and so uh, went to my academic advisor he's like yeah no everybody goes through this you know let, we just let's just slow it down a little bit so it took me three and two-thirds years to they kind of tapered me back to the trimester you know uh, before that started after me mm-hmm. um, but I still was one of the youngest guys in the class because I took most direct route a lot of people like will get their bachelor's degree before going um, just because some states do require you to have a bachelor's degree before um, going to chiropractic school. Uh-huh. Some require you to have it before you graduate. You know, some don't care. Some don't require it at all. Illinois didn't require a bachelor's degree. You just had to have uh, part three of the national boards, and there's there's four of them. Um, but I still took the fourth just so I could have options. There you go. But uh, in Georgia, um, moving to Georgia here, they they don't require. I don't know. I don't know if they require all four national boards. It, boards is kind of like uh, like the bar exam for you know lawyers. Uh-huh. Um, they it's just a standardized test that you got to do, and it's not just like you know the the test that you take in high school that you know uh, once a year or whatever. Like these are all day long tests, you know, that they break up into sections and you got to take like a two hour test and they give you an hour break and take another two hour test. And it, it's a cumulative test over everything you've learned basically up until that point. Yeah. Um, after you get done with all that, then you can do, uh, you don't actually have to do an internship there in like in school. I think medical doctors, you know, they'll get uh, you know, sent over to like a local hospital and they'll be getting college, you know, credit, you know, while they're working at a, at another place. And that's what they have to do before they can like, 
keep on going with their in, in chiropractic you do all that while you're in school they have like the the student clinic um, that you have to do your adjustments there then they have the the outpatient clinic you have to get a certain amount of credits there but as soon as you're done with that uh, by, uh, by the time you're done with your 10th try they're just like all yeah. right see you later <laughs> you know, here's your degree go get your license and uh, and you're all set <laughs> It's like, well, I don't know anything about running a business. I don't know, you know. So what most people do, told you all that to tell you this, uh, is they do what they call uh, an associateship. It's just uh, where you associate with another doctor. Um, basically, you just be employed by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it's with the agreement that, uh, hey, you know, you'll show me the ropes, how you, you know, kind of set up your business. You'll show me how to do all this stuff um, while you pay me a wage, you know, and I'll be slave labor for you you know i'll just people do all the the stuff that you don't want to do while i kind of get my feet wet so and usually the pay is horrible it's barely enough to pay your you know student loan payment and your and your rent but uh you you get your feet wet you get more confidence so i did i did that um for about two years uh, right out of college and i i would assume it's kind of like uh like what a tattoo artist would do um, yeah just 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 to kind of gain experience yeah absolutely that like i didn't know that was something like uh that was even like that chiropractors did you know i don't really actually know anything about chiropractic except that they maybe fix people's backs kind of like you had said earlier um like what are the benefits of going to see a chiropractor what what all can you guys do for i don't know me i guess Well, again, it's a, it's a huge subject and it's, it's not a hundred percent agreed upon even, even in the chiropractic world, but, um, long story short, the brain controls and monitors everything in your body and it it sends uh, signals It monitors and controls everything through your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, the nervous system of course starts with your brain. It sends a big nerve down the center of your spinal column uh, called the spinal cord and it sends off branches, uh, off the left and the right side, um, all throughout your body uh, to control and monitor things. Um, also there, there are nerves that come directly off your brain that control like your organs and whatnot. Um, but, um, those don't actually, they don't completely go through the spinal column. Some of them kind of dip into the top two vertebrae, but, uh, uh, for the most part, no. Um, so what, uh, early, the, the first chiropractic adjustment was done, was done by Daniel David Palmer on a guy named Harvey Lillard. And it was, uh, he, he was a janitor, Daniel David Palmer. I think he was a, he was an osteopath or he was a, they, because it was like 1895 they had uh they called him a magnetic healer uh, and it was i don't know that it was he used magnets but it was some sort of alternative you know healing he wasn't the the regular uh like medical doctor mm-hmm. but <clears throat> he had a, he had his own office i mean he took patients and there was a guy that came in there was a, well he was janitor in the in the building and he was deaf but uh he examined him and he said he had some pain at the base of his neck and uh you know, when he found a bump there that was sort of the touch and he's like, well, you know, maybe that, you know, maybe this vertebrae has, you know, shifted place. So he decided, you know, to, to give it a little bit of a push and sure enough, you know, it, it made a popping noise and, uh, it probably scared both of them. And, uh, what, what's only happened a couple of times, you know, uh, since then throughout history. And, uh, and we don't exactly know, you know, why this, this could be a story kind of like, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, Noah and the Ark is a true story. You know, some people say it's, you know, just fantasy. Some people say, well, it's a, it, it was, you know, it's a story, you know, to teach you about different things. We, we don't really know. If, I mean, we know there was a janitor, Harvey Lillard, but we don't know if it actually went down exactly like this. But the story is that uh, uh, Harvey's hearing uh, came back, you know, if not in part, but completely over the course of three days after that adjustment. 
Huh. Um, and and uh, apparently it was just because of the adjustment. It, well, he didn't do anything else. Um, he had been you know deaf for a number of years. He had the adjustment, and his hearing uh, started to return. Now they've they've since you know in modern days you know tried to trace you know what neurology you know may have done that. And there's a couple of theories on how it would have happened, and it has happened you know again, but not quite within the lower neck or in the like the upper neck and the mid neck um, that. Uh, people's hearing is restored it's, it's not because the 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 nerves that uh, you know control that go through the ear those actually come directly off the brain they don't go through the neck but there are things that happen in the neck which could you know help your immune system and if he had you know his ears could have just been really plugged and they started to drain after he had the adjustment there's lots of different things that could have happened but mm. um that's that's the story they say that uh, that uh, that's the the first chiropractic adjustment so i mean it's people normally wouldn't say well you know, I went to my chiropractor because I couldn't hear and I wanted to hear again. So the, <laughs> the brain controls and monitors everything, and it does those through the nerves. And the, the, first, uh, the first purpose of chiropractic was to help the nervous system to, to function properly, if, not, just, uh, not just having pain. If you have anything that's you know, not working right, uh, whether it be you know, you're, you're constipated or you have high blood pressure, or if your body is not functioning correctly, um, it, they always say, you know, look look at the source, you know, first. If your blender won't work, you know, you make sure it's plugged in first. You know, don't check the motor, don't, don't check the, you know, this or that. Go to go to the source first, and that's kind of the approach of chiropractic, as we say. If you, um, what's a good one here? There's lots of different things that can be influenced, of course, by the by the nervous system, mm-hmm. and there was they, they have you know study upon study that goes back even to. Uh, the early 1900s that show that uh, well, this person died of this, you know, in the autopsy, the, they look at the, the level of the nerves. They've had like liver damage. They, you know, trace the, the nerve, you know, the, the group of nerves that go to liver. Sure enough, they had arthritis um, in the spine at that area and it was affecting the nerves that went to the liver. So it's, uh, it's kind of, they, they started to wonder, I was like, well, yeah, this person had liver disease, but was it for the reasons we thought? Was it, uh, you know, because he drank too much or did he have, you know, uh, did he actually have nerve interference? You know, did he have degeneration in that area? And that, that abnormal nerve flow to the area caused the, the liver to, to slowly um, degrade over time, you know? So it, it's, uh, there's, there's lots of really interesting theories, but uh, for the most part, most chiropractors, you know, current day don't get too deep into the, I guess the, the visceral part of it, you know, like there's some chiropractors out there that say, Oh, you have high blood pressure, you know, get adjusted, you know, I'll come over here. You know, you got, uh, I mean, even ADHD, you'd think, well, that's a, that's a behavioral thing. Well, how could, you know, chiropractic, well, believe it or not, there are studies that show that the relationship between the, the skull and their first vertebrae, the, the atlas the vertebrae is right below, it's right at the top of your spine. Mm-hmm. Um, the relation, the, the orientation of that vertebrae, um, they've seen a correlation with uh, kids who have ADHD on how it's aligned. And if you can start to get that moving correctly and positioned correctly, uh, their behavior improves. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, without uh, without drugs or without anything else, so it's it's an uphill battle. Um, to you really do have to be passionate and uh, work very very hard at uh, teaching your patients about that stuff because it is true. It is there. It is a thing. I mean, a lot of a lot of people will be like, ah, oh, well, that's pseudoscience. Well, that's that's not real life, you know, because uh, we don't have medical doctors on our side. They're they're not in our camp. They're not under our umbrella. They they 
we're completely separate from them and we steal patients from them so whenever we make claims you know that uh, that seem like you know oh well, that's a bunch of hooey you know we we do get a, a fair amount of uh, pushback from that and, mm. and we do we we do have some you know some studies you know that uh, we've published but uh, they won't even let us publish you know our studies in their journals we got to have our own journals because you know it's not it's not medicine it's chiropractic ah. and, you know, we, we don't want that so we we don't have this we're we're not uh we don't get respect, you know, and we don't, uh, even when we do, you know, uh, placebo controlled, you know, double blind studies, you know, it's, it's still, you know, pseudoscientific. <laughs> so, <laughs> ultimately, chiropractic is just about uh, trying to make sure the nervous system uh, doesn't have any interference, make sure it's working at a hundred percent so that uh, the body can work at a hundred percent because any interference from the brain, you know, down to the body, if that, uh, if they're static on the phone line, you know, type thing, you know, that signal is not going to get through at a hundred percent. It doesn't mean that, you know, wherever that nerve is going is going to completely malfunction, but it may not, you know, if it's going to, let's like your kidneys, you know, your kidney may not function at a hundred percent. And how often do we give, you know, our, our body 100% of the nutrition it needs real rarely. We don't, yeah. we don't take our multivitamins. We don't drink enough water. So with that nerve interference there from having a bad, you know, mid to lower back, as well as, you know, not drinking enough water and staying out all night beer and whatnot uh, all of a sudden now we have kidney disease by the time we're 40 and it's like well how did this sneak up on me so <laughs> with with chiropractic you know, a lot of times it can be just enough you know to pull people back and they say wow you know my like like the liver exam my liver you know blood work was was horrible and all i did was just you know, i started doing chiropractic and now it's great so i don't think you know nerve interference was the whole reason why i had bad i mean there's other things that influence but it was enough you know to bring bring get to bring your body back into alignment so that uh, you know the, the counts improve so at chiropractic is just you know, one thing in in a, a list of many things that you should be doing to keep your body working 100 um, percent but um, most chiropractors just stick to the like the, the pain model, you know, it's like, we, we can definitely help with pain. That's easy to sell. Uh -huh. you know? But as far as beyond that, there are many things and many benefits, but uh, a lot of chiropractors, um, well, I won't say a lot. I'll just, I'll speak for myself. Uh, we, we don't talk as much about the, the benefit, those benefits, but mm -hmm. although it does come up from time to time. Okay. Um, yeah. Another question I got is, is it possible to make it worse? Like, I don't know. So yeah, when I see someone absolutely. like do that crazy like neck thing, I'm like, ah, I can't like, ah. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure that's something that like, I guess you have to get used to or something. But like, sure. Can you make it like like what what could what could be a problem? I'm not saying that, like, you know, what have you done or anything like that? But like, if yeah, you don't know yeah. what you're doing, can you really like mess a dude up? Well. That's a, it's a good question. And I'll just exactly how you said it. If you know what you're doing, um, you shouldn't be able to mess a dude up <laughs> if, because it's a very, very, let's, well, the, probably the most, I would say the most dangerous. And when I say most dangerous, I mean, that you have a, you still have a greater chance of winning the lottery than being, uh, you know, uh, you know, killed with, with a chiropractic adjustment. You know, mm. the, the biggest thing that people are afraid of is the, the, the potential for having a stroke um, from a neck adjustment. Mm. And what happens with a stroke is that uh, the, the arteries in your neck, there are some arteries that actually um, go through the, the side of the vertebrae as on its way up to the brain. And if those arteries are weak for any reason, or if you have just kind of a tear in the lining and you do um, a quick adjustment, it can... It can rip uh, those arteries, and you can have what they call a stroke. The stroke is where you don't get adequate blood flow to the brain, 
and uh, part of the brain, you know, uh, starts to die. Usually you'll have symptoms of uh, paralysis or numbness on one side of the body. Uh, but it's often, if you can catch it fast enough, it's something that, uh, you know, you can, you can, uh, the person can completely recover. But, I mean, you have to recognize right away and you have to get to the hospital right away type thing. Yeah. Um, now, the chances of having a stroke with chiropractic are, are like, it's like one in five million. Okay. Um, it's it's really 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 low. Um, it's it's and the ones that do happen uh, are rarely uh, because the chiropractor's fault. Meaning that they there's evidence uh, there's evidence that the person had an issue like uh, they had atherosclerosis. They had the 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 lining in the the artery was weak. And if it hadn't, or or they had like a clot that was forming that mm-hmm. uh, was ready to break free, and if it didn't happen in the chiropractic office, it would have happened when they turned their neck to look at the blind spot in their car, or when they put their head back in the uh, the sink, you know, at their hair salon, you know, when they yeah. tilt their head back. There, there's it's there's things that you would do. I mean, this it's basically a ticking time bomb, yeah. and uh, the, the time bomb is going to go off. Um, but because you know they were at the chiropractor, and the chiropractor you know moved the neck, um, it it happened there. Um, so even though you know it, it wasn't necessarily the chiropractor's fault, it would have happened any other time. Um, it because it happened there. You know, chiropractic now is 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 dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so, but. But even even then, even with that, um, I mean, there are there are things that uh, chiropractors test for. But with those types of things, I mean, some of them, some of them, I mean, because it's so rare. I mean, I, I rarely talk about it, and I honestly, this is probably the first time I've actually even thought about it within, um, shoot, probably a couple of years. Um, just because it, it just it doesn't happen. I don't know anyone uh, in my uh, class. I'm friends with uh, ever. Uh, damn near everybody from my chiropractic class and uh-huh. others. And, uh, and it just, like I say, it doesn't happen, but, uh, but that's the first thing that uh, people tell you about because that was, that was the big thing that uh, medical doctors as they try to <laughs> try to convince people that chiropractic is dangerous and the, the noise of it doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> because definitely the noise that, uh, <laughs> they play in, in action movies when someone gets their neck, you know, pop. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's not dangerous though, but here's the thing. It's it's completely possible to flare a uh, condition up. I work primarily, uh, probably about seventy five percent of the practice uh, that that I work in. Uh, we do car accident patients and uh, slips and falls and things like that. Mm. And when you're working with people who've had a recent uh, accident, or if they just came in, their back, you know, their back, uh, quote unquote, went out, you know, and uh, it's really they can't move. When you're working with areas that are already hurt, I mean, they're when you push on it, you know, to the touch, it hurts. You know, when they try to bend a little bit. And, uh, and these are people you, you're trying to help, but you tell them, like, well, do that. You know, we're going to have to move this area. I'm going to have to kind of push on this area. And it's going to be sore. So it's 100% possible. I tell everybody this to, to flare it up, but uh, it's very rare that I'm going to injure you further. You might you might have a day where you go home, and you know, after this adjustment, it's probably going to hurt a little bit worse for a period of time. But uh, I can all but guarantee you that it's going to feel better tomorrow. Yeah. You know, we just kind of have to get through this. Um, another thing that I tell people is making change in the body is never comfortable. Um, I, I ask people to do exercises, you know, we need to do, you know, certain things to kind of, you know, pull the body back into the alignment because the adjustment alone, you know, won't do it. I have to have muscles help and no one wants to do the exercises. And I, and I tell them like, listen, coming from a guy who's, you know, spent, uh, spent, you know, 
two years, you know, losing weight, trying to make the you know a change in your body weight wise, that's not comfortable. Working out, trying to build muscle, that's not comfortable. And and uh, when they come to a chiropractor, they they don't want to do any work, you know, to change their body back to get it back to where it needs to be. They think because. Uh, they're used to taking a pill, you know, it's like, well, it shouldn't hurt, you know, they're getting better. It, this, this treatment, we, we shouldn't be doing this. It hurts. This is dangerous. So yeah. like, well, we, we got to do something, you know, if we don't do anything, I mean, you more than happy to go take a pill, but if you just, just trust me, you know, just let me do what we need to do here and I'll, I'll we'll go at your speed. We'll, we'll do it slow and I'm not going to do anything to surprise you, but um, I mean, this, it will be a little bit uncomfortable in some cases. Yeah. But with people like that, there are um, more there are more gentle techniques that you can do. That's another thing. With chiropractic, it's not just, you know, the like the cracking someone's back, the stereotypical, you know, like neck adjustment, mid-back, you know, low back, you know, twisting you and, and stuff like that. There are techniques that uh, use instruments that are, can move the vertebrae a little bit more subtly. They just kind of tap the area. Um, there's lots of different ways to do it. And usually with those people, if they put up enough fight and I can tell they're scared enough, we'll just do something else. I mean, we, yeah. we do electric muscle stim. We'll do some slow stretches. I will not do a massage. Uh, people are like, oh, I can't you just massage it? I was like, well, I can refer you over to somebody who can do a massage. But <laughs> honestly, it, it takes too long and it doesn't, it, I mean, it, it gets, it gets people relief, but I mean, to be effective, I'd have to sit there for 10, 15 minutes and massage that area. And I don't want to get, you know, that's, that's not my passion. I don't want to get people used to me massaging them for 10 minutes. Now I have to do that every time. They yeah. Yeah. Well, you're so, a chiropractor. Right. You're not a masseuse. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I sure as heck could if I wanted. Yeah. That's not really what I want to do. You know, a lot of that yeah, uh, do- stuff sounds like uh, physical therapy. You know, uh, my mother had yeah. her, uh, her both knees now replaced. And what they kept saying and what they kept saying and what they kept saying is if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. In case in point, someone else in my family had the same surgery. And my mom now, she's great. She's, she runs a, she runs a, basically like a route where she's always running up and down, moving all over. But she's golden. She's feeling a lot better. But that person that didn't do it can't even get up, can't even move around. And it's yep. for real. Like you have, like the physical therapy sucks. Like no one's want to do that, yeah. and no one's gonna make you do it either. And that's the thing is you have to make yourself do it to make yep. you better. She was forcing herself, and now she's great. You know, <laughs> absolutely. No, that's true. That's one of the things that you just made me remember from college is the um, kind of the thing that they kept on saying was uh, life is motion and. You, you didn't just hear it in one class. You heard it across many classes. Like, you know, you'd hear in the, the organ histology class and you'd hear it in the, the microbiology lab, uh, lab and stuff. And when you're looking at uh, all these, you know, little little cells under there, you know, and they say, well, you know, this is doing this, this and that. And the teacher would be like, life is motion, you know, and, and you can see how these are moving. When they stop moving, you know, that's when you know, there's uh, life stops. You know, they, they have to keep moving to continue to function. And yeah. That's just the – so when – when people don't want to move and stuff like that, it, it, it came back to me. It's like life is motion. You really do have to keep moving. If you stop moving, my my great uncle and great aunt for um, on my dad uh, my dad's side, you know, they spent the last half of their life just kind of sitting in chairs, and uh, you you lose your muscles, you lose, uh, you start to gain weight, and your body just kind of goes downhill from there. You have to keep moving. You have to keep your body from degenerating, or else it will. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's true. You know, it, absolutely. It, it's scary when you see, you know, because you earlier when you were talking about, you know, being a CNA, those people, they they can't do like they used to do. And a lot of it is because they right. kind of like they were too sore to, to do stuff. And then they became more sore because they weren't doing stuff. And it was just like a vicious yep. cycle where now they just. Now they're That's just a, there. 
that's a big thing in the the CNA world too. Is uh, that's a, they teach you that on day one. They say, "Don't do anything for these people." <laughs> I was like, "What? That's why I'm here is to help them." He's like, "Your your job first and foremost is to encourage them to do it. Yeah. And if they absolutely can't, then you do it. And, yeah. Uh, be patient. But if they drop something on the floor, you know, it's like it's not cruel making them pick it up but you have to it's you have to they have to try to be independent as long as they can and they're they're in a place where they can't you know really anymore but yeah they need to hold on to those few things that they still can do so um so yeah that's and it's gonna hurt you know i'm not looking forward to it too i mean my, my back already will wake up half the mornings and it, and it hurts and i can i can see the writing on the wall you know by the time i 20 years from now it's probably going to be even worse but you you still have to get up you still have to stretch you still have to jog you know you can't give up on those things even though it hurts you just have to keep doing them because as soon as you stop then that's that's put it on the calendar that's when you stop probably (laughs) won't start back up again you know so yeah man yeah it's scary how much like that can really affect you and it's like a mental thing too like i i don't do like a lot of stuff like physically i probably should because you know i everyone should um but if i like if i sit around for too long i'm very antsy so i have to do something so that's why i'm always like building stuff or moving stuff around because i just i don't know i feel like if my brain stops working i I, just the way you were saying it just made me think like you know if i ever stop thinking it's over and i'm never going to stop thinking because i'm thinking about everything at all times (laughs) (laughs) i do that too (laughs) you know you're a fascinating man you really are you know i i knew this was going to be a good one uh, just by talking with Zach a little bit about about you and uh, some of the stuff you had sent me, you know, I I knew nothing about um, chiropractic at all. You know, like I said, I just thought it was a guy you go to fix backs, but apparently there's more to it than a lot of people would know or give credit yeah. for. You know, it's it's yep. really really fascinating, man. You know, and I I appreciate you uh, taking the time and hanging out with me for the past hour. You know, it's it's sure. been good. It's been good. So one thing I like to do before we wrap this whole thing up. Um, I had other questions, but you know, I think I think the way we ended it is is good, man. <laughs> okay, um, sure. So uh, I like to ask a final question. It's not going to do anything about the crap we were talking about. This is just something to get us back to normal. You ready? Sure. I'm ready. All right, man. Your question for you is: What is the worst flavor snack or candy you have ever tried? Snack or candy. <laughs> I can give well, you a- candy, candy. I, honestly, I have no freaking idea because I pretty much like every candy. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had, well, okay, I'll tell you this. There's lots of things I don't like, but I'll eat. Kind of like yeah, you grow up. Like when you're a kid, you don't hardly eat anything, but now yeah. you're just like, eh, I kind of like it, you know. Or <laughs> there's things that you don't eat on a pizza, but now you're just like, I'm too lazy to pick it off. I'll just eat it. The only thing that I've tried in my life that absolutely makes me ill is fish sauce. Um, <laughs> and if you've never had fish sauce, it's a Japanese uh, yeah, yeah, seasoning that. And if you've never had it, and most people have never had it, like on its own it's not meant to be had on its own it's always an ingredient in something else but imagine if you will combining the delectable flavors of sardines and parmesan cheese mm. and uh, and making them into a liquid <laughs> that's that's what it that's what it smells and tastes like in what circumstance were you trying just straight fish sauce man dare or are you just like this looks I was, delicious i was making I told you I make a lot of different stuff. In my fermenting phase that I went through like a year and a half ago, um, I was making kimchi. Uh, okay. Fish sauce is an ingredient in kimchi. And I added a little, and I really couldn't taste it. I'm like, well, that's 
can't really test it. I didn't want to add more because I was actually like making it. I didn't want to make it. So it, and then I just, I poured it into something else. I think I had like, like some tomatoes and stuff. I was, had a separate bowl and I poured some in there and then just like tried it. And it was way too much. And it was, it was fishy, funky, cheesy. And I was like, oh, so I, <laughs> I how you get kind of like, you get that nauseous feeling, how your mouth starts watering, like you're going to vomit. Absolutely. I was over the trash can for like two minutes. Oh wow! Yeah, so I've been completely, completely off anything fish sauce since then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we um we went to uh, uh, New York City um two years ago. It was the last vacation I took. Um, and uh, we went to the uh, Asian district that they had there, and we bought like all this weird candy. And um, I have so many examples because I'm very picky, but this is the one that sticks in my head. It reminds me of you standing over the trash can. Um, (laughs) there was this like uh, I. It's shaped like baby corn, and it's, like, gummy. It's hard to explain, but it looks exactly like a baby corn. And I don't know what flavor okay. it's supposed to be, but it ta- oh, it made me want to die. Like, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, we were joking around, me and my wife. We were like, ha, 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 and I'm trying to eat it like it's, like, a little baby corn, you know, like, biting the little kernels off or whatever. Sure. I swear to God, I almost vomited. It's so bad. It's, like, it, it, it tastes what like... What it taste like? Like... Like a corn chowder, but that was made poorly and then made into like you know how gummies like like uh, like a gummy bear they'll be like this one's cherry and it kind of tastes like cherry but right. it kind of tastes like gummy bear. This tastes like yeah. corn chowder flavored gummy bears and it wasn't good. <laughs> it was so what? bad. But I don't it wasn't know what sweet it was. At all? It was a little sweet, but it was what was weird is that it was more salty than sweet because I guess they were going for like the soup flavor or chowder oh. flavor but so if you I were mean, to take if you were to take just regular like uh unflavored gelatin and pour it into like a can of you know corn chowder and yeah. just make it into like a jello mm-hmm. and then gnaw on that as a corn chowder <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh it was a rough shot yeah. man if it you was... were expecting something and got that they'd you off it. <laughs> and i don't even know what it was called because it was written in, the, in another language and i just thought you know oh this is adorable it looks like baby corn Nope. <laughs> you know, uh, Hubris struck me down, you know, trying to be funny. Oh, we'll eat it like baby corn. Uh-uh, dude. Mm-mm. Same fish fish sauce is the same reaction, but. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. But um, I just, again, uh, thank you so much for coming out on the show and hanging out with me. It's been, like, yeah, awesome. This has been you. great, man. Um, Do you want to plug, like, any chiropractor or your own you said you got your private practice man you want to let people know if they want to come visit you? yeah we have uh two locations uh we have one in savannah and one in uh pooler i work on the one in pooler mm-hmm. uh it's dynamic spine and rehab uh mm-hmm. the address is uh 10 11 town center boulevard suite uh, 103 and that's in pooler georgia and the phone number is 912-691-0111 um you, you know if you have back pain neck pain you know headaches uh, or even if you, you just woke up one day and you just you know feel like you have a little bit of a, a tweak in your neck or, or just, uh, you even have just questions about something just give us a call you know if it's something simple we can answer over the phone we will if it's something we have to have you come into the office we can do that too uh, we work uh, five days a week uh, monday through friday monday wednesday and friday are our long days we work from 9 a.m till 6 p.m but uh, tuesday thursdays are our shorter days it's uh, we just have morning hours we can accommodate you in in savannah or in pooler but uh, like i say if you want to come see me you know, come see me in pooler <laughs> then new, new pooler i yeah. guess i call it oh lord <laughs> well you should definitely come see him because he's a super chill guy man i just spent an hour and some chains talking to him and you know and now i just kind of want to get my back fixed just so we can hang out <laughs> <laughs> but if you are interesting Absolutely. um you know 
please hit me up. Um, I, I need guests. I need more people that are as cool as Brandon to come on the show. So if you want to come on the show, please reach out. You can visit our website at bitterandjadedpodcast.com or you can email me directly at bitterandjadedpodcast at gmail.com. And then you basically, you'll just send me your email and we'll we'll pick a time slot and we'll work it out. Me and him, we're talking over a computer right now. It's great. Just chilling, you know? And so it's, it's <laughs> I, I don't want to speak for Brandon. Um, so, but I feel like it's pretty fun time, you know? <laughs> and so just please come out. And, and hang out with me, and I, I think it's going to be great. So, again, Brandon, I thank you for coming and being on the show. And I don't really know how to end the show. I always mess this part up. What, how do you want to end the show, man? Is there something you want to say? Anything you want to say to the people at home? Ooh, we got to get you, like, one of those uh, one of those cheesy lines that they say, you know. Like, uh, what Jacksepticeye, what does he say? He's like, <laughs> Catch you dudes in the next video or something. Oh know. yeah, yeah. I gotta get my like my like make sure you ring that <laughs> notification bell, bro. Yeah. Smash that notification. <laughs> Smash that notification. <laughs> but again, man, thanks for coming on the show and uh I will talk to you thanks. later, bud. Have a good one, man. Thanks again. <laughs> Bye. Not a problem.